Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. These are our unsolicited football opinions. You didn't ask for them, but we're going to give them. And who knows? Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. But that's the beauty of the game and what's kept us friends for so long. This episode, we'll be discussing Group F in the group stage of the Women's World Cup. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. Abby, how are you? Hey, Sid. I am sweating right now. There is some sort of heat wave hitting the East Coast, but overall, I'm great because we got some excellent football news to dive into this week. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm on the opposite coast. I'm in California. I've re-signed to play with the Wave as a national team replacement player. So exciting to be back in this area and, you know, the stress of figuring out what you're going to do. Sometimes things just fall in your lap. And so this has been a great opportunity. So I'm really excited to be back out here, but totally agree with you. Lots of big soccer news. And I know you want to start first. So why don't you tell the people about the big signing you have? All right. Well, hugely anticipated. Alessio Russo is now an Arsenal player. I am absolutely thrilled. I think As soon as everyone's back from injuries, Arsenal is going to be unstoppable. Russo at the nine, and then Blackstini is coming off the bench to replace her. And then you have Viviana Miedema at the 10. Like, oh, this is going to be an insane squad, and I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I definitely think it adds – it's crazy how one person can add so much to a team. I definitely think there's a lot of potential with her there. So I'm happy for you and all fellow Arsenal fans. Some other news. So in our last episode, Portugal was one of the teams that we broke down in that group. Uh, They played England and they tied nil-nil. I wasn't necessarily anticipating this result. I feel like England should have been able to put them away, but I feel like this tells us a little bit about both sides. I feel like Portugal is going to be a really good opponent in group e because if they can kind of sit in um and they play a 4-4-2 i feel like the u.s will really struggle against that because i feel like england and the u.s like we said in that episode last week are a good like for like to kind of see where you stack up and then for england i feel like not that it's cause for panic or cause for concern but you can't be shut out against portugal in my opinion Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned about England, to be honest. I think Wegman is very intentional, especially the match before your World Cup. So I think she was trialing a lot of things and, yeah, maybe keeping a few combinations a secret. Um, And they did have a lot of chances. So, like, okay, get get the crossbar and the posts out in this game so that you're ready and firing to go for the actual World Cup. Yeah, so we'll see how those two play out in their groups. And we are getting close to the World Cup. So don't have to wait too much longer to see them in action. But before we kick things off with Group F, we need to put out a little disclaimer. Um, We're really dumb. So I was talking with my old video analyst from Australia. Shout out to you, Shona. 
and realized when talking to her that for the first time, because there's actually more teams in this World Cup, only two teams are going through for each group instead of previous tournaments where some have had um, a third person go through to fill out the bracket so that it was a perfect 32 teams. So we're really dumb. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) So a couple of the groups we said like, oh, this group has the potential to have three go through. Well, that is just not possible. So on the one hand, it's going to make things way more spicy in the group stages. Um, But also we're, we're sorry. We messed that up. To quote Hannah Montana, everybody makes mistakes. So please forgive us. Yes. So from now on, we will only be picking two teams and we're going to start that with group F, which we're going to kick off right now with France. So we are going to kick things off with France. France is currently ranked number five. And ironically enough, they're playing Australia next week. So I think that'll be really good uh, showing for for both of them. But Abby, tell me your thoughts on France. Allez les bleus. Well, just came from France, an 18-month stint there. So I'm slightly partial to this squad. Um, I'm excited to see them play. I'm really, really hopeful that this new coach has has turned the program around for them. Um, You know, in the World Cup, they've never made it past the quarterfinals. And for a powerhouse such as France, that's kind of despicable. And I would like to see them make it past that round. Yeah, I feel like that actually says a lot to be a team that hasn't made it past a certain stage in a World Cup when you're a top team. I feel like they're so good like they're so possession based they have so much talent it just needs to all come together and they have a lot of big name players but one of those we've talked about Cascarino is out how do you think this affects the way that they play yeah I think France is kind of known for their wing play and getting services in in the box and having late runs from the midfield to score goals um I don't think we're going to see that as much without Cascarino um but I don't know. Again, it's going to be a real surprise because we haven't seen any real big games with uh, head coach Renard. So I'm curious on that. But yeah, without Cascarino, I think you're going to miss a lot of wing play. I feel like they'll find a way to string it together. I do feel like I just said with Alessio Russo and Arsenal, like one player can make a big difference. But I feel like at this level, one player being out needs to not make as big of a difference. So my favorite person to watch on this squad has been and will always be Wendy Renard. I'm obsessed with her. And so I kind of want good things to happen for her. I feel like she's always played against teams like when they played the U.S. in 2019. I felt like I couldn't root for her because I was rooting for the U.S. But I feel like this tournament all out, I'm rooting for Wendy. Yeah, and I think it's going to be her last World Cup. So for for your sake and her sake, said I hope she has a good run of form. Um, for me, I have three players who I'm really looking out for. The first is Diani. I think she's going to be their go-to goal scorer. She needs to have a good tournament. Point blank, no way around it. If France wants to advance, Diani needs to be on form. 
And then the other two players weren't present for the Euros. And Henri is one of those players that was left off the roster for years because of the previous head coach. And so to see her back in the mix is going to be really exciting. And then you also have Les Omer, who is the all-time leading goal scorer for the French team, and she's back in that squad. So I'm curious to see how those veterans will add to this squad. And we've talked about this a little bit, but Abby, tell me your thoughts. With all the drama that they had with the previous coach, now you have a new coach. How do you think that affects them for this tournament? For me personally, I think it will be a positive thing. I think they'll be able to rally around the new head coach, around a new culture. I think in the past, this team has fallen short of their goals simply because they play as individuals. And so I really think they need to go into this tournament playing as a unit. You see a team like Germany who just kind of plays off of each other's movements almost as if they've like they're a hive mind. And I think France needs to replicate that in some aspects and get away from individual play. And hopefully a new coach and a clean slate will do that for them. Yeah, that's my key for them as well to top this group. Like, let the past be the past. This is your time to make a run in this tournament. And I feel like they have the personnel and the talent to do so. So I always find them so fun to watch and so entertaining. So France is definitely on my list of teams that I'm rooting for and I'm excited to watch. And that brings us to Jamaica. So Jamaica is ranked 43rd in the FIFA ranking. And they're another team that's kind of been dealing with some stickiness with their federation. They actually had to make a GoFundMe um, just because they haven't had the correct resources. And we've talked about how difficult it will be for teams that don't have the resources competing against teams that have been in the World Cup since it started. So, Abby, tell me your thoughts about Jamaica, how you think that stuff with their federation might affect it, um, and just being in this group in general. Yeah, the fact that we're in 2023 and a World Cup team is having to crowdfund for their squad is abysmal. And yeah, really frustrating point on that side of things. And to answer your question about how I think this will affect them, I mean, it could go one of two ways. They could be like, screw you, Federation, like we're not going to perform. I don't think it's going to go that way. And then the other way is like, this could bond them and they could be like, despite what's going on monetarily, we're just going to bond together and make a statement. And so I'm hoping it goes that way. But the other thing I want to mention, Sid, is not only are they lacking funding, but they're missing friendlies before the World Cup, which those are essential for chemistry. And so I'm curious what you think about that and how that's going to affect their performance. Yeah, obviously, I think that's detrimental. Like everyone is in camp right now. Everyone's preparing. And so you need to be preparing as well. So I feel like that is it going to be a big blow. I also feel like my biggest concern about their stuff with the Federation is that sometimes when I watch them play, I feel like they give up. And I feel like that's mostly always unrelated to stuff with the Federation. I just feel like sometimes they give up when they're playing against really good teams or, you know, fatigue or whatever the situation may be. And I could be wrong, but it's just a vibe that I feel when I'm watching. And so I feel like if they're already susceptible to giving up, plus you're dealing with this BS from your Federation, is that a really dangerous mix? And so that's why I feel like leadership is going to be so important for this team. And you can't talk about Jamaica and leadership and not mention Bunny Shaw. I feel like she needs to really carry this team in all aspects, which is a lot of pressure, but I feel like she can do it. She's one of the best strikers in the world. And I feel like she really needs to show up, but I'm curious 
how they work with her and around her, like teams are going to know shut down Bunny Shaw. So how do you manage that when all the people around her aren't necessarily as strong as she is? I do think they actually have a lot of players who make a difference. Jody Brown has been great in the college sphere and she's very complimentary, but Bunny Shaw, Jody Brown, there's a big difference in their skill levels and their clinical ability, I would say. Yeah, Khadijah Shaw is one of the best strikers in the world right now for Manchester City. She's absolutely killing it. Um, But what you just mentioned there, Sid, is like this difference in levels of the people around her. And I think you have a point. They have a lot of college players, which can be a positive thing. And, and this lends itself to what you were talking about before with this aspect of the Jamaican team that they tend to like give up. And I think being in the U.S. college system is completely opposite to that. I'm hoping they take that never say die attitude from the U.S. college sphere and put it into this tournament. But again, this is a team that I'm curious to see how they put all the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, and I often feel like their biggest downfall is sometimes when I watch them play, they get super stretched. And so finding ways to keep their lines really compact so that it takes way less effort to get the ball to someone like Bunny Shaw, um, I feel like will make a really big difference. And then, you know, if your lines are really tight and you're playing really well and you have coverage, like it makes it kind of hard to give up, right? So I feel like that is going to be a solution for them that will really help mitigate any problems that they might have in that sphere. So I I just want to also mention, and I think a big thing for them is going to be their keeper. Um, they've kind of rotated some, but I think Rebecca Spencer, who plays for Tottenham, is so important for them. And I feel like if she can do really well and, you know, she makes some world-class saves and that's all you can ask for, for your keeper, you know, keep us in the game. So if she can keep them in the game and make those saves and Bunny Shaw and company can put the ball in the back of the net and they can kind of close out games, I feel like that might be really helpful for them. But I'm excited to see them play. I feel like they have a lot going for them. And I feel like with the stuff from their federation, um, and they recently had that Adidas deal for their kits and such. So I'm hoping that they feel like the stuff with the federation is like a big FU. Um, and go and and try their best and and work really hard. And who knows? Well, Sid, I think Rebecca Spencer is going to have to have a tournament of her life um, to help this squad. In 2019, they conceded 12 goals and scored one goal uh, in their group stage. And so we need to see better numbers and a goalkeeping effort is going to be huge for them. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that actually comes down to their back line. So I feel like the back line, like they all have to be on the same page. Like she can't do it all alone. So I'm definitely interested. I feel like they have the potential to be really good. I also feel like they have the potential to be really bad. So I'm definitely looking forward to see what version of them we get, especially if they're not competing in a lot of friendlies. The other top team in this group is Brazil. So Brazil is ranked eighth. And honestly, talking about their squad makes me so excited. But I just feel like you have to acknowledge, like, is it even a World Cup if Marta's not in it? I'm so happy that she was called into this squad. For sure will be her last World Cup. I feel like so many legends of the game, like this is their last World Cup. And I'm just so happy that she's one of them. Yeah, like you said, I'm just thrilled to talk about Brazil. They're just such an exciting squad. I'm so curious to see how they do on the big stage. But Marta's sixth World Cup, like, that's insane. Most people don't even get one World Cup, and Marta's done six. So it's well-deserved, and I'm excited to see what kind of role she plays in this one. 
Yeah, so she's the all-time leading goal scorer for the Women's World Cup. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, now that she's older, doesn't move like she used to, how much we see her being clinical in front of the goal. I feel like we'll still see it. It's just going to be different form. Kind of like when um, Carly Lloyd was at the end of her career, like she was still a finisher. It's just, you know, different, different ways of being that person for your team. But like you said, they're so fun to watch. And I feel like they have so many players that make football so exciting. So Marta and Dabinia and Caroline are probably my, my top ones in terms of attacking players for Brazil. Um, but tell me your thoughts on the squad, Abby. Yes. And we've, we've talked about Brazil a little bit in the past, I agree with you. I think especially Dominion and Caroline, like they're just playmakers. They're just fun to watch. But the two players that I have my eyes on is youngster Jay-Z who plays for Barcelona. I think she's going to announce herself on the big stage this tournament. I hope she puts in some gnarly goals. I saw, I'm pretty sure it was her. I saw a clip of her like absolutely dicing up another player with like a step over nutmeg. It was insane. So I'm excited to see what she does. And then the other side of the pitch, I have Raffaele who just signed, a new deal with Orlando Pride. Um, I'm going to miss her at Arsenal, but she's an amazing captain and an amazing center back. So I'm excited to see from back to front, these players do their thing. Yeah, I also think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Rafael, we, that um, signing with Orlando got leaked a while ago. So I'm just curious to see how her mentality is, knowing like, oh, after this, I'm going into the NWSL, I'm going into a new squad. I'm just curious if we'll see like a little bit of I don't know because the Brazilian style of play and like the NWSL style of play are so different and I feel like as a defender I'm just curious how that works as opposed to like Dabinha and Caroline do fabulously in that league because they just run at players and American defenders have no idea how to deal with that so I'm just curious it might have absolutely zero change but just want to see what that what that looks like for her Obviously, Brazil is a very formidable opponent. Abby, you broke down their game against England where they tied and ended up losing in PKs. But you spoke in that breakdown about how adaptable they were and how um, England kind of struggled with that. So tell me a little bit on about the tactics that you think about Brazil going into this tournament. Yeah, this is the perfect group for Brazil to be in because it's so tactically diverse. You're going to be playing France, Jamaica, and Panama, who all have very different profiles. And I think Pia Sunhaga at the helm will have, honestly, fun changing up her team's tactics and employing those game plans. I think they can play possession-based football, but I also think with these pacey forwards now, you can play a more direct game. So I'm curious to see how the fluidity of their game shows in this group stage. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be interesting because I feel like that's kind of been their biggest weakness in previous tournaments. Like they have their set style of play and that's never really changed. But I feel like their adaptability is becoming one of their biggest advantages. But like how adaptable, right? Like being able to change a formation and still be able to keep your style. That's a form of adaptability. And I think that they've kind of gotten to the point where they've mastered that. But I'm curious to see, like you said, if you want to give the ball to to your fast players and they run and you get players in the box, that's different. But I don't think we'll ever see Brazil being uber direct. Um, so what do you think their biggest weakness is, Abby? Mm, that's a good question. And I don't think it's a good thing to ever see a team be super direct. Because in my mind, like if you're super direct, you're one dimensional. That's mm. like just my philosophy. So I, 
I think it's a good thing that we're never going to see them like that. But I think their biggest weakness is honestly their mentality of being underdogs. Like it was 07 the last time they were in a final. And I don't know. I think they've had the last few tournaments where they're kind of like, hey, we're here to do some like Samba football. And if we get out of a group stage, that's awesome. That's the vibe they give off. But I think they're arriving on the scene as like a big time player in this tournament. And I finally think they have the right mentality. So that's the only thing I could see for me as their weakness, especially in this group stage, is just like going in as underdogs, whereas I think they need to be going in as power players. Right. And especially since now that we've acknowledged our mistake, since only two teams are leaving this group, there's a big difference between finishing first and finishing second. So I feel like the key for them is going to be top this group, like do what you need to do, figure it out. I think that Brazil-France game is going to be so entertaining to watch, but they need to find a way to win that game, I think, to set themselves up as best as they possibly can, and vice versa for France. Yeah, I agree with you. I think their test is to top this group, take three points from each game, and then also like use this as a litmus test for the different styles that they'll face throughout the tournament. A hundred percent. And I feel like one of the styles that we're going to see from Panama, who's the last team in this group, is sitting in. So Panama is ranked 52. They're one of the teams that's experiencing their first World Cup. And I feel like this is a really hard group to be in for them. The positive is that they're a CONCACAF team. So they have some experience playing Jamaica and playing against teams that play similarly to Jamaica. Um, And so I feel like they should really focus on that game to be like we've talked about, you know, as a new team, what do you aim to do I feel like that should be their game that should be their focus in terms of trying to scrap a point from that game but I feel like they're going to struggle against Brazil and France they just lost to Spain 7-0 a few days ago and I feel like these these other games might be something similar if Brazil and France are coming in in peak form yeah I'm a bit of a cynic on Panama in this group I don't think they have a chance of getting out, but they're another one of those squads that's never been on a tournament of this size. And I think it's a great opportunity for them to show their stuff, show organization and show that they can hang with the big players. Like you said, said seven nil Spain scoreline is, is a bit tough going in against these top teams, such as France and Brazil, but anything could happen. I think they should play for set pieces and look for the counters. I mean, the World Cup is the best of the best. So unfortunately, a team like Panama is getting stuck in a group where, you know, they're they're playing against two top 10 teams um, that have the potential to, to win the whole tournament. So I feel like for them, it does need to be about being very sound defensively, right? Keeping that front line and that back line as tight as possible. Everybody understanding their defensive roles, their defensive principles. And then, like you said, set pieces in the counter, set pieces more so than the counter, because I feel like all three of these teams in this group actually can counter a counter really well. And so if you let yourself get super stretched on a counter, I feel like you're going to end up screwing yourself. So I feel like a little bit more set pieces for Panama needs to be their focus. Um, But on the flip side, I feel like they need to not concede set pieces either. France is obviously super dominant in the air. Brazil is really crafty. And I feel like, you know, you don't want to give them anything in shooting range. And then I feel like Jamaica as well, maybe that's going to be a little bit more standard in terms of set pieces, but Bunny can put that ball in the back of the net. And 
like I said, they have pace. Um, and I feel like they as well can make you pay on set pieces. So I feel like what they need to do really well is also what they need to not give up. It's a good point that you bring up, Sid, countering the counter. But what about countering the counter counter on the other side of that? So I'm curious to see how those box to box high pace games go over in this group. But the other thing I want to mention, like we always talk about these new teams coming in and being like defensively sound. That comes with time together. That comes with chemistry. And no player on this squad has earned over 20 caps. That is problematic to me. Yeah, I do think a way to kind of, because you can't change that, right? Like you can't change experience. What they have is what they have with the squad. But I do think a way to help that is education, classroom sessions. Um, I think it's really important to go over tactical sessions on the pitch so you can physically feel what your body's supposed to do and know what's correct and what's incorrect. Um, I think you just have to make do with what you have. Like if that's the reality of your squad, that's the reality of your squad. And so how can you change things from now until World Cup kickoff on the 20th to make sure that your team understands as much as they can? Because we've talked about this, right? It's so hard to make tactical changes and give information when you have a full packed stadium screaming. So I feel like it's really important for teams like Panama to understand, even though you might not have the experience, you can get the education. And sometimes that can carry in ways that you can't carry with experience. So I feel like that would be the answer for me. Like so much for them has to be scouting and education and understanding what's correct and what's incorrect, because obviously you're going to make mistakes, but if you can mitigate those as much as possible, that's going to set you up. That's your best case scenario. They're actually playing Japan as their send-off game, so I feel like that might be helpful for them just in recovering from that 7-0 loss and seeing what kind of tactics you want to implement. But I do feel like this World Cup might be a struggle for Panama in this group. Yeah, I'm super cynical on this one. I'm not hugely bullish on Panama, um, but I'm hopeful they have a good showing in terms of spirit, energy, and yeah, get their foot in the door for the next World Cup. I feel like it's kind of obvious in how we've been discussing this group, but what are your top two teams, Abby? France and Brazil. Yeah, same here. I think it'll be really interesting to see that matchup and really interesting to see who finishes first and who finishes second and how that then plays out in the knockout stages. So I'm looking forward to this group. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Literally, this group has every kind of style of play. It's such a mixed bag, and I think that that's great, and that's always really entertaining. So regardless of how anyone finishes and the results, it will be good football, and that's always exciting. Always love some good football. So we are now going to take it on the pitch with this group. It's going to be really fun to watch them, but will it be fun to look at their jerseys? We are going to break it down. Best kit in the group, hot takes, jersey edition. Sydney Ann, lay it on me. Who's got the best kit? in this group i feel like brazil's home jersey is always a classic but i really like france's kits i like them both i think the detail on the sleeve is really cool um and like we've talked about that texture in different kits so 
I'm going to go with France, both kits. Doesn't France's home blue ones look exactly like England's? Yeah, actually, they do look really similar. For me, best kit by far goes to Brazil away kits. The purple and green, so calming. And I love the little aspect of, you know, the jungle in there. It's fun. I love it. Yeah, I I guess I just like don't love that it's just the sleeves. I don't know. I feel like I would like it to be the whole kit or something, the whole jersey. But I mean, worst kit, I think we're going to agree. Jamaica's away kit. This is ironic because Abby and I went to brown. So we saw a lot of jerseys that were like physically the color brown. And I'm not like a hater of a jersey just because it's brown. Like the color, that doesn't really matter to me. But the combination of like the red, the green, the brown, it's so boring. Like it's like there's no texture or anything. Like this kit is just ugly. Yep, definitely agree with you on that one. I've seen some fire brown kits before, like a nice checkered pattern, something to spice it up. But this one's just boring. And then the home kits aren't super impressive either. I guess it's classic, but like you could do something so much better. It's underwhelming. And also, I I don't think like the federations have any choice in this. It's probably the sponsors that do. But like, come on, guys. Yeah, I do feel like their home kit is a classic. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But I definitely agree with you. Like, our men's team, um, when Abby and I were at Brown, had this nice checkered brown kit. And I just feel like the texture made it so good. And, like, it didn't matter that it was the color brown. Like, I actually kind of wanted one. Like, I don't know. So definitely not a fan of that kit. And I feel like it's going to clash. It's. I feel like it's not going to look good on TV, first of all. But I also feel like it's going to clash with a lot of the other colors. Um, like if Brazil is wearing their home kit and Jamaica is wearing their away kit, like, I'm sorry, but that is an ugly screen I'm looking at. Time will tell. We'll see. So I think we definitely agree on at least half we agree on half for for this group but i definitely feel like this group will be super entertaining regardless so i'm okay with the fact that it's not the best kits because i think it's going to be a good group to watch shifting gears to games to watch so it's the last week before the break for nwsl exciting the table's so fluid it's actually insane it's the most fluid table in the world i think for women's football so I'm curious to see how everything pans out before that break commences. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at megpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at megpodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megd.